0: So my guest today is brilliant Russell Davis, who many of you will be familiar with, and if not, you certainly would have seen his work, which is grounded in communication, brand, strategy, and digital. Russell's worked in lots of different settings, including advertising at Wyden and Kennedy with brands such as Honda, Nike, and Microsoft, in government as part of the pioneering UK digital service, GDS, in financial services at The Co-op, and most recently at Bulb a disruptive renewable energy provider. He's also a regular contributor to Wired. So there's lots of things that I'd love to talk to Russell about, but he's just written this fantastic book about PowerPoint. It's called Everything I Know About Life I Learned From PowerPoint. And I was switched onto it by Ben Terrett from uh, Public Digital. And uh, he suggested I give it a read and I'm really glad that I did. The book is funny, thought-provoking, packed with advice and and beautifully written. Uh, It's much more than a sort of guide book, although there's lots of advice in it, as I say. In part, it's a, a love letter to this much maligned piece of software. So welcome to the podcast, Russell.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So
0: what prompted you to write a book about PowerPoint?
1: Um, I have no commercial instinct. That's probably, um, that's (laughs) probably why. I've always loved PowerPoint. Um, A lot of my career is based on the fact that I probably knew how to put images in PowerPoint a long time before anyone else did. Um, So for years, you know, I'd present a strategy or something to clients and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, great, great strategy. How do you get the images in PowerPoint? Um, it was the same so, with video
0: as well, wasn't it? When you could, yeah, you could yeah. Do a, yeah, And then people, how are you doing that? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So it was a good couple of years where that was that was why I was a in U.S.P. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of my job for uh, thirty years has been uh, presenting, um, and I've always liked PowerPoint. I've written about it occasionally, and then uh, I did an article for Wired. A few years ago about PowerPoint discovered Robert Gaskins, who invented it. I'd like I'd never never occurred to me that someone had to invent PowerPoint, you know, but then I discovered him. He's written an incredible book uh, called Sweating Bullets about PowerPoint. And I wrote this thing and then I started getting endless requests from journalists. Who were try who were writing an article that I discover that someone writes every couple of months, which which is basically like death by PowerPoint. Um, yeah, don't we all hate PowerPoint? It's a disaster. It should be banned. And I just thought that's that's not true. So, and you get a real sense actually of your kind of affection
0: for the software. It like in in the in the writing, PowerPoint is so ubiquitous. Uh, and it's it's just something we all use, you know, all the time. I, it's hard to imagine what life was like before that. You reference what you would do it, you know, with overhead projectors and acetates, you know. And I guess because technology is moving so fast, it's easy to forget, you know, what life was like pre-smartphone, pre-computer. You know, I didn't even use a computer at university, and I don't consider myself that old, but I was using like Lectroline.
1: You
0: know, to do well, you diagrams
1: are, and stuff. You are <laughs> <that you>. old. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, again, the interesting—I think one of the interesting things about PowerPoint is it hasn't changed really, and it inherited lots of its affordances and and how it works from 35 millimeter slides, and uh, it hasn't adapted to the, hasn't really adapted very well to the internet age. It hasn't adapted to small screens and smartphones and, but there it still is, you know, it's still incredibly powerful and useful and everyone uses it all the time for everything. Um, but yeah, and it just rolls on and Microsoft try and make it networked or social or whatever the viral, whatever the thing of the day is and they can't really, but it doesn't matter. It rolls on. It's everywhere
0: and when and when you say powerpoint do you mean specifically powerpoint or slide software in 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 general because obviously you know mac users will be probably using keynote we've got you know google slides which is maybe a bit more collaborative so but is it more of a sort of the connoisseurs (laughs) software for slide? i mean is it particularly powerpoint
1: yeah i haven't actually used powerpoint probably for a few years i've probably mo I had a phase of using Keynote and a phase of using Google, but it's the generic. Um, And and I think, again, a tribute to sort of Gaskins and Invention is nothing else really adds that much. It's all just PowerPoint, really. I mean, Prezi tried, you know, sort of people try things every now and then, but it's really it's like um, it's like ketchup like you can't improve it it's just yeah. what it is you know um <laughs> and
0: and you, you you sort of suggest in or you write a little bit in in the book about a lot of powerpoint's flexibility in a sense which has made it so so useful and we probably don't stop or i guess non-designers um probably don't stop to think well why is this piece of software the way it is it could have it could have been different talk about other this other thing called more and and these different ways. So you think you, you think that's the stem of the root of why it's, it's adoption is so, is so wide just because it's so malleable.
1: I think, I mean, there's a bunch of, I mean, it's now in a sort of positive feedback loop where, because everyone's got PowerPoint, everyone gets PowerPoint, you know, so it's, you talk to, so the, Book was designed by uh Stephanie Posovek, who, you know, is a fantastic designer, who I interviewed for the Wired article originally, because she's sort of a friend. Uh, and she said, you know, whatever she designs, in however elaborate and fantastic a, a software suite she uses, the client normally asks her for a PowerPoint version because that's yeah. what they've got. So there's a kind of there's just it's ubiquity reinforces its ubiquity as it's a distribution Um, effect
0: yeah
1: yeah um but there's also just um again i think the reason it hasn't been improved on is is a a lot of the time the people who have theories about how it should be improved are just wrong um because (laughs) they there's a there's a school of thought i mean there was a phase where there were a bunch of html5 um, slide makers. I don't know if you remember that, like lots of said, we're reinventing, um, presentation software, and it's all going to be in the browser and it'll be dead easy. And it was basically just templates. It was, yeah, right. there was a, a philosophy that how you wrote a presentation was to write your argument out in words in a logical and sensible order, which is the philosophy embedded in this, this product more, which was con- sort of born at the same time as At the PowerPoint same time. Right. Yeah and uh, which was an outliner. And that is a legitimate way of writing an argument and a presentation. Um, It's just, and it's a a way that engineers particularly feel like is the right way to do it. Um, But most people in the world don't feel that. It's just that the people who keep trying to reinvent PowerPoint, keep trying to reinvent outliners basically. Um,
0: which is like a particular sort of cognitive model, almost for how you build yeah. a very logical, almost yeah. linear path through something.
1: It's like an argument in code, sort of yeah. written out in words, you know. Right. Um, and what Gaskins realised, um, which, which was that the like the important unit was this was the slide, um, not the bullet point or not the argument. You know what I mean? It's like the slide is the atomic unit of of thought and presentation. The other thing that everyone who tries to reinvent PowerPoint tries to do is to try and stop it being ugly. So they try and constrain people's design choices. Right. um, So that they can't make the font too small or the font too big or that they can't put this in or whatever. And Gaskins was like, no, let the user do whatever they want to do. Which has um, mixed results. Let's be honest. If yeah, you, it, it, exactly. And sometimes that means it's ugly, but some, but it's also. Um, sometimes it's it means it's genius and and like folk like the best folk design, and it also it means for a lot of people, it's the most creative they ever get to be at work. And, it's very democratic, and it's a, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a design tool that everyone can use and you can pick whatever, and you can spend a long time choosing a font. And you can, as i say in the book, you can put your pictures of of your kids in it and no one minds. It's like, that's... And then again, PowerPoint, uh, Microsoft is smart enough to realise that now, because everyone uses it for everything, they put the capabilities in it to do anything. So you can animate with it, you can do 3D modelling with it, you can print off your... Host of your softball match with it, you can because it it's the Swiss Army knife of software, you know. Yeah, Um,
0: and 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 you you talk about how it was one of perhaps one of the key pieces of software which actually made computers useful to people, right at the beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, when the first uh, computers with with like a graphical user interface shipped, or when they were talking about them, there wasn't much point to having one. Um, Like you could still do a text document in, you know, without one, you didn't need windows and uh, mice, mouses. Um, And PowerPoint was like a reason to have a GUI to start with. Like it made sense that you would have one. And people had uh, presentation budgets of tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars because they were making slides. So they could save money by buying a com well actually what they would do is buy PowerPoint and then buy a computer to run it on
0: right' they okay, yeah
1: like the 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 point was PowerPoint and then you had to buy an apple or a, or a or a, a windows machine to run it yeah and you would spend ten thousand dollars doing that because it saved you money in presentation costs yeah wow yeah um, which is unimaginable today
0: just because it's you know yeah. it's it, it's everywhere but the fact oh we're gonna going to buy this computer just because we can access this is you know yeah
1: um, and and actually the first the first version of powerpoint didn't connect to a monitor you used it to make slides and then sent them to a bureau who would send you the slides back
0: really i didn't know that okay yeah yeah. it
1: it wasn't until version i can't remember exactly. i'm not enough of a geek to know will right, okay, yeah. know but but yeah it was they didn't it wasn't it wasn't for presenting on a monitor it was for making slides wow
0: yeah do you see it as something which is almost culture forming there's quite a lot of the book dedicated to how leaders might perceive it or or not everyone's a fan of it right some companies have banned it some famous people have are really outspoken about it amazon have banned it you, you mentioned about Steve Jobs, there's a great quote in there. Um, do you think it's something which shapes company culture and how how companies communicate internally? Or am I over overstating it? Yeah.
1: I mean, I th- I think there's a bunch there's a bunch of bunch of questions in there. It's a tool that people use for communicating all the time, and so it shapes how we communicate clearly. Um uh, it's how art students keep their portfolios, for instance, and share them with gallerists. So that, again, that used to be on a 35 millimeter slide, which would be projected onto a wall. Um, and that ended created a particular form of art. Now it's kept in a PowerPoint. You know, you send a PowerPoint file, which is protected on a screen, and that creates a slightly different form of art. So it has those kinds of hidden uh cultural uh affordances or whatever whatever the word is i think the story about i mean it is probably a coincidence but equally if i was you know if i was a proper journalist i would say it's no coincidence that it has the word power in it it is about power it's about who gets to speak and uh a lot of the I think a lot of the stories about uh, like people who've banned PowerPoint and corporate cultures that have banned PowerPoint is more to do with corporate habits around who gets to speak and how an argument works and how discussion works and how information travels around an organization. Um, like PowerPoint should not be used for everything. I'm I'm like the first to admit that. And when it's used for things that are inappropriate, it's a problem. But... Um, that the opposite reaction is also wrong. Um, like not using it for anything is also silly. And I think a lot of the time, corporate cultures that ban PowerPoint or or, or impose constraints on it are really banning, um, are really optimizing for confident people to, to speak more than less confident people. Like right. PowerPoint helps people who are less confident who are less encouraged to speak to speak and is therefore, I think, democratic, more way. democratic, etc., than than a lot of cultures where where the so PowerPoint's most famous critic is Edward Tuft, who's a fantastic designer and designer, yeah. thinker about data visualization and all that kind of stuff. He wrote a little polemic sort of against PowerPoint. And one of the stories he tells in there is about Lou Gerstner, who is the executive who sort of transformed IBM. Um, and he banned PowerPoint. And one of the, what he said is, we shouldn't do these presentations. We should just talk about the business to each other, which carries within it all sorts of associations about yeah. who gets to talk about the business and, yes. and how easy it is to just go up to the CEO and talk about the business. Um, so yeah, it's got lots of that it's super interesting. weighted in it.
0: Yeah, you talk about you can use PowerPoint in lots of different ways, but I guess the primary way is as a presentation tool. And when I think about co- company culture and and the vast amounts of energy that get consumed in creating these presentations, you know, I've 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 been at projects at companies that will remain lame, nameless where a hundred percent of the energy of a team. Is going in to producing a presentation for a leadership team, right, and not moving a product forward or not working on the challenges. It's a hundred percent an act of of um, communication, which obviously has its its sort of pros and cons. But it seems to me, I, 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 and again, you touch upon this in in the book. It's it's where PowerPoint is used. You create a PowerPoint which acts both as a pre-read and also the presentation and then you've got this conflict haven't you between is it a presentation and it's there to support you as a presenter in your narrative but good presentations are not necessarily information dense so after the presentation the deck doesn't really live on in the same way but then there's always this thing of send me the slides in advance so people cram loads of information in it i think that That dynamic, I think, maybe is part of the reason why you have phrases like death by PowerPoint or people have a, I mean, I don't know what you think about that, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's true, but I also think that's because PowerPoint is the window through which we see malformed corporate cultures. It, It doesn't cause a bad corporate culture. It just lets us see the, you know, it's like, if you want to understand a corporate culture, look at the PowerPoint. And you'll go, oh, right, they don't get this, they don't get that, you know, they're bad at this. Do you think it it, it shouldn't be used for pre-reads? Do you think it, it
0: in that context, it's like, because that's what some people were saying, send a memo or send a Word doc, and then the PowerPoint is a presentation. Yeah, but
1: I think that's like saying don't speed. It's like, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be, but people are, people do. So in an ideal world, you'd only use PowerPoint for like a presentational purposes. And, and if someone wanted to pre-read, you would write an elegant memo beforehand. And if someone wanted a, a post, you know, a, a document with all the data, you'd you'd do that and print it out on large pieces of paper. And like, but that's not the real world, right? The real world is you don't have much time. Um, you're only going to make one thing. So what you, I mean, and, what you end up with is a, is a, is something that's not a great presentation and not a great document a lot of the yeah. time, basically. Yeah. Um, and if you have a bit more time or a bit more energy or a bit more, uh, something you'll, you'll maybe do two things or you'll, you know, you'll realize that. So, so, um, the company Duarte, uh, started by Nancy Duarte, who do like presentations for Silicon Valley and they did, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth, and they they did a lot of Apple keynotes and things like that. They've recognized this, and they've just they've made a, a PowerPoint template called Slide Docs, which basically recognizes that people use PowerPoint to write documents, and they've just created a format so that it's easy to do that. And it it's like got a big picture at the top and like a headline and some text, which obviously you could do in Word or you could do in you know, whatever. Um, but they kind of, they've gone, I mean, the corporate reality is people use PowerPoint for everything. So let's optimize for what they do. Like in an ideal world, you'd have 12 weeks to prepare for your, you know, weekly presentation, but you don't. So mm. you use what you've got. Um, yeah. And that is often rubbish, but that's like corporate life right it's kind of
0: but do you do you you think well do you think part of it is people don't have an awareness actually of how to do effective communication in a power a powerpoint even if that wasn't there let's say they weren't trying to make a powerpoint presentation that was both a pre-read and a the actual presentation i'm wondering whether you'd still get presentations which were as you uh the term you use in the book you know dad slides which i'll
1: ask you to define in a minute whether that would still happen yeah i mean i mean again also people don't get trained in how to do good presentations and and there are lots of different versions of what a good presentation could be like um particularly as you say i mean i was going to quibble with something you said earlier i suspect most powerpoint documents aren't presented i suspect most of them are read for instance um yeah yeah there's lots of different versions of what that looks like and inside some organizations they look like one thing and like and, and there's there's um tribes like management consultants do very different powerpoint to how advertising agencies do powerpoint yeah, yeah, to how yeah. bankers do it to like there's different there's different accents there's different um Languages dialects, yeah, flavors, yeah. dialects, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, and they can all be good at the thing that they're trying to be. They can all be bad at the thing they're trying to be. Um, and you can learn lots from each of them. like speaking lots of different languages is quite useful in that in that in that regard. I don't know that just go like giving people saying right, you've got to mi- write a memo and then you've got to do a presentation is going to result in either of them being substantially better. I think the other thing is, I mean, particularly I have this conversation with designers a lot. Um, they will, you know, they'll go, "Oh, it doesn't look, you know, they've not thought about it and it's not designed well." And, but you, like, a lot of the time, you go, "But you know what they mean, right?" Right. Like yeah, when they've yeah. done the presentation, like it has communicated. It a works. Lot of the time. Yeah. It works. Yeah. And it and Robert Gaskins delights in a quote from Stephen Pinker, who said at least powerpoint makes you put things in order like you don't just ramble you have to go i'm going to say this first and then this and then this and then this at least it does that if it wasn't there imagine what it would be like yeah it'd be chaos so, meandering yeah.
0: tangents all kinds of things yeah yeah
1: like this so the, the <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i mean it it's like it's also about role models. It's like people think every presentation has to be like an Aaron Sorkin speech or or like a TED talk. Like they're not right. like that. They're just right. saying this is this is what we did to the expenses policy in Q3. You know, it doesn't have to be a work of fine dining. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's just like it's a bacon oh, okay, sandwich. Yeah, yeah. versus
0: is fine dining. Yeah. 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 So obviously we've we've had the the pandemic, which is hopefully moving but behind us. But one of the impacts of that is obviously more remote working. The whole kind of world of work has been changed. I mean, there's different debates as to where it will end up. Obviously, it's still in a, a, a state of a state of flux. But we have all been presenting virtually, uh, a, you know, a lot more, which is a different experience to standing up on stage at a conference where you might use powerpoint or in a in a in a meeting and so on and so forth have you found presenting in a virtual environment a virtual way has sort of changed how you use powerpoint or the presentations um themselves i i can give you a quick example myself i i presented a virtual conference on wednesday and i was thinking about well whether my slides are actually too simple because once you share your screen you've only got a little preview of yourself of of yourself Mm -hmm. and whether whether actually it almost puts a greater emphasis on holding people's attention through your your voice uh, as opposed to your body language and and moving around and the combination that you get in the real world of the slides plus Mm -hmm. you plus so uh, has do you think you need a different approach or is it sparked any new things that you're thinking about when you're presenting virtually?
1: Yeah, I, I haven't done loads of it, I have to say. Um, and You've been lucky then. Um, <laughs> say again? You've been lucky then. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done loads. I don't think I've done it very well, partly because I stopped being on the professional presenter circuit a few years ago. Like People who were on that circuit and have adjusted to Zoom are now doing like three a day. And they've, yeah. and they've got really good at it, you know, and they know what they're doing and they've got all the tricks and all that. I, I, I've seen some of those, but I haven't, I haven't worked that out. Uh, the, the, the few I've done, one explicitly said this, and one is it, it, it basically they just, just send us a film. They're just like, just film yourself doing it and send it to us. Cause it's way harder to actually do it live. And then you realize I'm just sending them a really boring film. Like, it's just like a really slow cartoon. Um, yeah. With quite a dull voiceover, you know, and you realize how, with the presentation, there's so it's a bit like sport. It's like it's different if it's live. Sure. And part of the fact that there's someone live there in the room, there's some intangible thing that makes it like different than just me sending you a video of me telling you about Q3 you know it there's something different about that so I I, I've the one thing I've done where I've I've done that kind of thing and they basically said send me a 40 minute film um and then we'll do like a live Q&A which I think is a great format but I think that it really raises the bar on like what or should really raise the bar on what you do in that 40 minutes and you're going to require hundreds of thousands of dollars to to (laughs) make it good because i suddenly started going so for that i realized i'll just film myself doing the presentation three or four times and cut the good bits together you're right um and used a lot more video and a lot more animation a lot more music and stuff because you can and and it turns into like it's my tv show yeah, I mean, or 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 a bet or a good YouTube 20-minute video. Like there's um there's a musician called Adam Neely who has a YouTube channel um where he does music theory and all that kind of stuff, and he makes these like 10, 15, 20 minute videos, which obviously have got a lot of work in them, and all yeah. of a sudden you're competing with that. And that's that's a different, it's a different genre. It's really interesting. And actually, I'm not sure presentation software will help with that. You you're yeah, making something, something else
0: now. Yes, yeah, you're making something else. I think that's that's very true. The second half of the the book's very much about vice uh and and ideas or things which you hold um are true or that you value in terms of particularly sort of language and typography and then mm. more later on about the act of uh, presenting um, itself. There's this double-page spread of the 47 laws of, of PowerPoint, which I presume is a play on the 47 laws of power. Is it the 47? Is it 48? Is it? I, I don't can't know. remember. Okay, but I I was instantly reminded I of that horrible, I wrote book. horrible book. Yeah, horrible yeah, yeah. book. By the way, but yeah, I yeah. thought, oh, that was quite a nice, uh, nice uh, play on that. I mean, that
1: was pun, entirely pun-based writing. But
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, but so, what? What do you? If you were to say your, your top three things to focus on in terms of making a good, a good PowerPoint presentation.
1: Make it big, keep it short, have a point.
0: There you go. Boom. Um, and you talk, you talk a lot about doing things in threes as well. Yeah.
1: Halfway through the book, it, I was getting really theoretical and, you know, dense and, like, on the one hand this, and on the other hand that, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was, I'm like, I really, I'm not writing the book for people who are really good at presenting um i thought like what could be useful is for people who like are worried about it which is a lot of people um so what i wanted to do was not do like these are iron design laws that you must follow i wanted to do uh if you follow these rules you can't go wrong you know you can't go far wrong it will be fine Basically, I was helping, I wanted to get to a stage where people were doing presentations that were fine. Um and so the advice in there is like for the most part, like simple stuff, like don't spend ages worrying about how to structure it and worrying whether you should have a five-act structure or or do the hero's journey, or like right, don't yeah. listen to all these people telling you everything is about story. Just divide it into three, just have three bits because 90% of the time, that's fine. Three is a very reputable strategy for dividing content up. The economists do it all the time. Like loads of people just divide things into three all the time. So it was just stuff like that. And and yeah, it just saves time and reduces stress. If you go, right, I'm gonna do a presentation. It's gonna be in three. All I have to think about is like what the three bits are now. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier than how do I get you know blah, blah, blah. so there's that kind of thing and then a lot of the design and content things are just like make it big enough that people can read it don't have too many words if you're going to have a visual like make sure I mean make sure it's of something you know yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah one yeah. of the things in there is is illustrate don't decorate and again, this is where I am overly dogmatic in the book versus I think real real life. Well, well, where I, I try and have my cake and eat it too in the in the book. I think there's a style of presentation that one should broadly do at work, which is like make it big enough to read, tell people what they need to know. Um, if if you're going to talk about a piece of software, show the software. If you're going to talk yeah. about a thing, show the thing but don't, yeah. you know, when you're talking about money, you don't need clip art of some money. Like people no. know what money looks like. I think that's all true. Equally, when you're doing PowerPoint for a laugh with your mates, um, like the PowerPoint parties and stuff you see on TikTok, use all the transitions in the world if you want yeah, to. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's fun, you know, yeah. do that stuff. It's fun. The problem is when they sort of, when those lines get blurred a bit yeah um and when people think the definition of a good presentation at work is one with lots of transitions in for instance you know
0: this desire to take a bit of the anxiety a- a- away from uh, presenting i mean is that have have you always found presenting comes natural to you i mean you've spent you know all of your career as you said at the start about around communicating and is that something that always came came to you easily, or do you, do you were you motivated to do that because you see the anxiety that other people go through in in
1: in putting these things together? Um, a bit of both. I mean, I, I you know I am very old, so I've um, I de- for the first five years of presenting, I was very anxious, probably, but that was twenty years ago, so you know, I've got used to it. I'm better at it. I also discovered that um, I've also learned techniques that make it less stressful for me. So I always start the same way, for instance, almost every presentation I Mm -hmm. do on a stage, you know, in that kind of setting, I start exactly the same way. So I know what I'm going to do. So that's sort of easy. And I've also invented an ending that I can put on almost every presentation because I'm quite bad at endings. So i know exactly what that's going to be and those are the two really stressful bits for me so those are fine and i've i have learned that i find when i was again like a professional presenter i didn't mind the actual doing the presentation the stuff i hated were meeting people beforehand and meeting people afterwards and like the unstructured social encounters I find quite difficult standing on a stage, talking to a bunch of people whose faces you can't see and who you will never meet again. I'm all right with. Yeah. And I actually, I think part of the difficulty is, is the, a lot of the time, again, the, the first presentations one does when, when you're young or you're you're starting in a company, Mm. like presenting to five or 10 or 20 of your colleagues is the hardest presentation you'll ever do. Mm. Um, And that's the thing that's actually most people start with it. That's really quite intimidating. And um, that's why that's why a lot of the book is the way it is. And it's also why I think a good corporate culture really helps, because you see in some inside some businesses, sort of everyone's willing you to fail and inside other businesses, everyone's on your side. And that makes a real difference about massive. how communicative that organization is which yeah. which may, helps make it successful i suspect yeah
0: well as you were say, saying if if that that is you know who gets to speak and all the judgments uh, are, are ra- around that or the the competition which uh happens in companies or um what it takes to in quotes, succeed i guess you get, have those dynamics which can sometimes be uh, un, you know unhealthy but i present been presenting for a, a long time and i found there were loads of great things uh, in the book that i found uh really helpful and these are like things i'd forgotten or just things i hadn't i hadn't thought about before i found it a bit of a kind of reset particularly on the 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 language side of it and really trying to be brutal um brutal in the sense of of, of short not uh yeah, yeah. Not in, the yeah, other, yeah, yeah. in the other in the yeah. other sense yeah you obviously write a, a lot what, what, what was your process for for writing the book is is it something which was it sort of painful is it are you someone who just can just get up in the morning and and knock out two thousand words
1: uh basically i started the week the pandemic started um and so i the, this book the idea of this has been floating around us for 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 a quite a long time and uh, quite a lot of publishers have sort of said, "Oh, that sounds interesting. Um, you know, write a xt thousand word treatment, and we'll consider it." And, and I'm like, oh, "I'm not going to do that." And then a publisher, in, in fact, someone who'd worked with Steph beforehand saw that I'd written the Wired thing, and approached me and said, "If you do this book for us, we'll do. You can do it with Steph." which is what sold me on the idea, but oh mostly my, because I assumed she'd do 90% of the work, you know? So um, <laughs> in my head, the process would be, I'd write some stuff, we'd go and have coffee together, and it would be a very integrated design and text sort of book. And you could imagine lots of clever things that you could do in that way, because we we were never able to meet um, for the entire process of the book. And again, also that, my starting assumption was was it would be much more um here are some slides they're here are like famous slides and and like writing about them sort of and there's a bit of that of in there there's yeah, a bit there, of that there, in there. there is a bit some really funny examples so yeah Yeah. well thank you but originally i mean the original working title was 99 slides that was the idea you All know right. it's okay. like yeah. sort of 99 slides that made the modern world kind of idea yeah but uh, we couldn't get the rights, um, which, again, is, is like it would have cost money and we were denied permission and all that kind of stuff. And it's one of the things that made me realise that that presentations are better than books because that's not it's, that's never an issue with doing a presentation. Right, I mean, okay. it should be maybe, but it never is. So there was quite a lot of false starts. And then the title of Everything I Know About Life I Learned from PowerPoint came up. And because of that title, I had to write some stuff about my life, um, which was really painful. So a third of it is, so it's basically now a third of that. There's a third of the original idea of the book. um, And then there's a third of tips and tricks about PowerPoint. During the writing process, I was like, actually, since I'm now writing this book and I have to finish it, how would I make it useful to people? Um, So that's what that bit came from. And the actual writing is I can sit down and write um, 500 words relatively easily I mean again, it's, it's like it's not a proper it's lots of fragments so it's just you know I wrote a lot of bits and then worked out how to stick them together in a way you, that, you can't tell yeah. they're stuck together Russell you can't <laughs> you, you can't
0: tell it's it's beautifully written it really thank is thank
1: you thank you very much.
0: If that's um, how you did it, if it, if it is a kind of quasi montage, it, it doesn't it doesn't come across as but it, one at all.
1: It's also quite like how I do presentations. It's like I very seldom get like have the idea of right. This is the story I want to tell. It's someone you know. It's like I'll get a brief for a presentation, then I'll think of a bunch of loose related things to do with that kind of attach words to images move things, jiggle things around until it gets to a satisfactory sort of collage and it's it's basically the same the same process right and it's in three yeah. bits you know three bits not, or yeah
0: where, where can people get the book I think you make a reference to this on your website. You can probably get it on Kindle. If you're going to get it, definitely get the physical copy because it's it, it's a really nice. It's quite surprising in a way. It's not when it arrived. I was like, oh, it's it's. I don't know what I was expecting, but it's quite small, compact in a way. But um, it it is it's a nice object as well. I can't imagine yes. having this book on a Kindle.
1: No, and in fact, you can't get it on Kindle. Um, oh, good, good. Yeah, originally. <laughs> that it was published on Kindle to start with, but it was so awful um, yeah, I can that, imagine. We, that we stopped it. Um, right. So yeah, you can only get a physical one. You can buy it from Amazon or all good digital bookshops. You can buy, also buy it from Russell There is like about three left, I think. And you can buy it in like some actual bookshops, I think, um, yeah. but it's normally hidden. You know, in the it's it's normal it, it seems to end up in like the in the software built bit, you know, like the dummy's guide to excel. Kind okay, of
0: bit, all right. where should it be? Where should it be?
1: Where should it be? well, it feels more like it should be in the fun books about design sort of area. Okay, Right, yeah, in the more, in, in I don't more know. In design. I mean it's one of my problems as a as a as a writer. I've written two books. No one knows where to shelve either of them see the other one was on
0: cafes was it or yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
1: which people didn't know whether to put in food travel humor you know (laughs) where to put it and this one they don't know whether to put it in software design management business communication so they yeah they they just put it in wherever it's it's where they have space (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. well i think it's always healthy
0: when things sort of you know a, a kind of don't fit exactly in a box i think that's always uh you know a, a good sign and and what and what are you what are you currently thinking about or um working on what what's interesting that's a good
1: question i i am i'm definitely in um having done the book if i was a field i'd be in the fallow period i would right. say at this point okay where yeah, yeah. where there's not much happening in my head um the thing I'm thinking about, I mean, to be honest, is is a bit like we were talking about with, with the future of presentations and content and people like Adam Neely and stuff like that is like, because I do think the presentation is quite an interesting um, format and and a 20th century invention, which is probably going to get reinvented in the 21st century and the 10 minute YouTube presenter driven video um, is quite an interesting format. And and I I'm I don't really know. And I also I've fallen in love with TikTok. All um, oh, right. OK. And and it's such an inventive place to to share ideas, like the way people share ideas on, on TikTok. I mean, other things as well, but like the way people communicate with TikTok, I, I, i'm i would if you know the amount of time it takes to write a book um i think if that time was devoted to exploring how to communicate on small horizontal screen or vertical screens or uh, you know I, i i'm sort of trying to work out what i think about that but i don't i don't really have an answer and i hate seeing myself on video so um maybe yeah, an avatar is the uh, the yeah, answer because yeah. yeah. it'll it'll yeah. it'll we'll all be in the metaverse soon
0: i guess oh yes
1: good yeah that'll be better yeah
0: <laughs> brilliant a pleasure to talk to you russell thank you so much um thank for your you time. It, it's a brilliant book I, re- I really enjoyed it i encourage everyone to go and uh, and, and grab a gr- uh, grab a copy and um yeah thanks again i really pleasure enjoyed you. thank that. you very much I hope you've enjoyed this episode of door's hybrid intelligent podcast. My name is Lee Sankey. You can subscribe to hear about new episodes, wherever you listen to your podcast. Please. If you have time, give us a rating and a review. Always appreciated. You can get in touch with your comments and suggestions via our email address contact at doorglobal.com. My thanks again to the brilliant Russell Davis do check out his book, everything I know about life. I learned from PowerPoint. It's fantastic. And thanks to you for listening. Until next time, keep well.